Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Every day is like a blank page. Some people encounter the page with fear and dread. Others encounter it with potential and excitement. Hello, my name is Aubrey Baptista. At Kindred Art Therapy, you will learn to be inspired daily rather than approaching each day with fear. For more information, visit arttherapync.com to book a free 15-minute consultation. My name is Alyn Davis. I'm a counselor and coach with a compassionate heart and a wealth of experience. My mission is to help people journey towards recovery, self-discovery, and holistic well-being. As a licensed therapist in North Carolina, I've had the privilege of witnessing countless individuals break free from the grips of eating disorders, trauma, anxiety, depression, and find renewed purpose in their lives. For more information, visit alyndavis.com or click the buy button on this ad. I look forward to seeing you break free free. Welcome to Kindred, the show shining a light on local mental health professionals who are the unsung heroes of our community. Join us as we explore their stories, strategies, and the art of healing minds. Let's break the stigma and celebrate resilience together. This is Kindred, where understanding begins and healing flourishes. A warm welcome today as we are joined by Amelia Thigason, a licensed clinical mental health counselor with over 10 years of experience. Amelia's expertise spans working with children, families, and adults as she holds licenses in North Carolina, South Carolina, New York, and Oregon. With a background in trauma-focused CBT and trauma resiliency, Amelia's unique insight as an adoptee has driven her involvement in the adoptee community, foster care, alternative education, and even corrections environments. Currently, Amelia is working on a book focusing on parenting skills and reducing toxic parenting, showcasing her dedication to the well-being of families. Get ready for a conversation that delves into mental health, trauma, adoption, and effective parenting with the insightful Amelia Thigason. Am I saying that right, Amelia? I'm so sorry. No, you are doing it correct on the first time. Congratulations. Well, thank you. So <laughs> welcome. <laughs> yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got into counseling and just a little bit more about like your specialization? Cause I talked a little bit about that, but tell us more from your mouth. Oh, um, well, when I was a, a kid, my, one of my family members completed suicide and pretty much that kind of drove my whole passion towards psychology. Wow. Um, and I, I kind of had always been like the person everybody came to talk to and they had problems, you know, doing way too much family and friend work to, you know, probably is not appropriate, but you know, that kind of just fueled the passion. So then I like knew the path I wanted to take and, and, you know, getting there, that's always a bumpy road, but that kind of started it. And also being an adoptee myself, it, it was definitely a struggle growing up and not really having a lot of resources like there are now. Um, not really having places or people to reach out to. So it's definitely been like a niche that definitely needs to be filled and available to people who want it. For sure. It, there's a lot of special needs within the adoptee community. I did a little bit of that work um, in my previous role in therapeutic boarding school, encountered some of that world. So it's interesting. I wonder, um, you know, because everyone's adoptee experience is a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. That is correct. I, I mean, everybody has a different perception and, you know, and they're allowed to feel how they feel and and they're on a different part of their journey. And, you know, and I welcome that, you know, I don't, I don't 
only see people who are now are in reunion or only see people that want to find their family you know if if people are just wanting to explore feelings around it or how it's affected them then that's always an option too yeah so how do you kind of use the like so your trauma focused cbt your trauma resiliency model like how do you kind of incorporate those together and i imagine there's also a lot of education involved in your work yeah i think it, there definitely is a lot of education, but I think a lot of people don't understand or, or, or notice how much those experiences can affect them, especially working with a lot of kids who have gone through a lot of trauma in different aspects. You know, people don't really see how adoption or the foster care system really impacted them over the years. Mm. And sometimes it, you know, it gets to a point where all of a sudden, like, it comes to a forefront or, you know, there's different thoughts or ideas behind it, or they stumbled across um, a podcast that's, that's known for adoptees or in, information on the internet. And that kind of just like opens some doors for people. Mm. What do you notice is pretty common as like, um, I guess, after effects of being within that system? Oh, could be could be anything. Could be depression, anxiety. Um, a lot of kids are diagnosed with what's called reactive attachment disorder, which is controversial in the adoptee world. Um, just you why? know, oh, what'd you say? Sorry. Why? Why is rad uh, re reactive attachment disorder like? Why is that? Um... I, I'm going to keep it on the eye. Um, it, in my opinion, I think trauma reactions can can be seen in different ways. Okay. And I think we have a tendency as mental health providers in general to label people um, mm -hmm. without kind of seeing the whole picture. So for reactive attachment, I think people just see um, kind of just slap that label on there just because it's a kid and they kind of don't see the whole picture of what they've been through um, and what might be going on in their lives. You know, I think, you know, I feel that way about ADHD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, there's a lot of research being done and a lot of talking about complex post-traumatic stress disorder, hopefully getting into the DSM, we can, we can dream. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be a huge and helpful thing. But, you know, again, I think it's a lack of perspective from the other side. So this is kind of like nitty gritty for the mental health community, because um, like, I know a little bit about this and, and I've seen both sides of it, right. Whereas like, so reactive attachment disorder is a, um, it's basically like kids are having a lot of meltdowns, mm -hmm. right? Um, and the want, the wish is to kind of just fix the meltdowns. And so yep. mm -hmm. there's like, and there's a behavioral approach to that where we can really focus in on the behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and you're saying like, that's not a preferred approach. A preferred approach is really to look at a more global um, system and, yeah more from an attachment lens of like what has been disrupted in this kid and how can we help to ground him or her through um like skill building in other ways and help like just co-regulate with them yeah and i think that was a huge thing with um trauma focus cbt too it's it's breaking down all those skills and then coming to a point where you can utilize them and you know see what the with the bigger picture is like what was the trauma you know how is the trauma affected the child mm -hmm. or the teen or however old they are and and how can we come to resolve about it and using family systems as well which you know isn't isn't always something people want to do right because a big difference in what you're talking about is 
are you going to be having one-on-one -on -one sessions every week where you're meeting one-on-one -on -one with the kid and helping to change their behavior? Or are you working with the family every week and talking about how they can improve their relationship with their child? Well, I, th I think it's both. And I, and I think a lot of that's necessary, but is it financially, you know, available to a lot of people? Probably not. But it definitely needs to be a system approach and less about, you know, here's the problem, child, let's fix it. Right. So that's a big difference in, you know, what our current system supports um, versus like what the research is really telling us is going to be the best approach. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah. So in terms of just um, the book that's coming up, like, tell me more about what you're writing. Um, it's it's definitely going to be very alternative, but I, I'm I'm trying to come up with um, d different ways to shift parenting perspectives and like the importance of communication. Um, you know how to deal with your your own shit so that you don't put it upon your kids. Just about you know and about everything about um, sexuality, suicide. You know, growing up, divorce, I mean, anything you can you can kind of fit in there. I'm just trying to kind of shift it so that, you know, parents can take accountability for themselves, but at the same time, take the time to, to learn new skills that they can use. Yeah, for sure. Who are you hoping to um, like? Are there are there specific things that you're you're hoping to um, really get across to parents in that in that book that you're writing? Oh my God. Communication. Communication. Yeah. Yeah. Um, listening, um, you know, not putting so much having a personal attack. I feel like so many parents feel like the way their kids behave is a personal attack on them as a person or in general. And I feel like that's definitely something we need to work on, you know, and, and education too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I read a book on that specifically where, um, you know, within the attachment bond, it's really important that um, we feel connected to our child. It goes both ways. Yes, of course, like, you know, as the parent, it's not our job to be getting all of our needs met. But when our, when our stresses are so high within the parenting relationship, it's like we kind of turn off our ability to really care for our child. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be a really challenging thing to get past and for a lot of parents to really understand, like, you know, and then a lot of parents can really feel a lot of guilt around that too, right? No doubt. Yeah. I, but I think at the same time that there's a lot of, of lack of self-care of parents too, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're so focused on our kids and making sure they're doing everything right or what they need to do, but then kind of not taking into account of what a parent might need to work on or, know issues they need to resolve and I think that's that's a big key to remember as well yeah I think that there's like a whole lost generation of parents who um uh I basically like the attachment parenting was was somewhat lacking is is where I'm looking for the right words on that it's like um you know that their their attachments to their parents are probably not as strong as what maybe attachment-based families have been in historical views. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of kids having kids. Yes, yeah, a lot, and even if they're not young, like 
I think we could say that statement and think, oh, we're talking about like 18 year olds having, you know, no. babies. No, we're, we're saying up to 25 because that's when that's when the brain supposedly fully develops itself. So. Or even later, right? Yeah, because right. If somebody's not fully developed and like they're 27 or 28, like they could be having kids and still not having had their own childhood stuff worked out. And then that's playing out with their kids, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's one of the goals of my book for sure. Yeah. Yeah. To help bring awareness to that pattern. Mm -hmm. And, and to, and to sit down and be like, how did I feel at this age? Right. Like, what was I going through? Like, do I want to, you know, you know, reincur that trauma that my family put me through or should I be doing something different? Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a really helpful read when, when it does come out, when are you anticipating that? I have no idea, <laughs> but, um, but I will definitely keep you updated for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, and you had said also that you do some educational pieces on the side. So is that like for providers? Are you giving CEUs? Um, no CEUs, but I'm, I'm more than willing to consult with people if they work with adoptees or former foster care and would like education about it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then do you do, well, I remember us talking last week and you had said that you usually refer out for parenting classes, right? Yes, that would be correct. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, would you be willing to share like a success story without any, um, like specific details, obviously we can't break HIPAA, but just sharing, um, about a family or somebody that you had worked with that you felt like was um, a success story of, of someone that you've treated? Well, I've worked with a lot of kids, so. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I think I think the, the best stories are always when the kids and the parents are, are involved and mm -hmm. are willing to do the work. So I think that definitely are the, the best success stories I have or, or the kids, you know, actually put work into it. And same thing with like, you know, young adults or college age clients. It's, it's about, you know, are you willing to put the work in and do the work and make changes? You know, I've recently had a lot of clients that have left therapy because they've put the work in and made the changes and, and been able to, you know, be stable and not need that support as often. And I think those are definitely the best, the best stories that I can think of. What kind of, what kind of life changing things have you seen just when people do put in the work? Oh, not having to do toxic coping skills for sure. That's like a huge one. Um, like self being able to self-regulate or self-soothe, uh, you know, not talking to people they shouldn't be talking to good boundaries. Those are big things. So making choices that are not going to hurt them. Yes. Yeah. Because I imagine that kids, you know, especially if they're doing things like self-harming or um, staying up late on their phone. I don't know that that's just a range right there. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> Adults do that, too. <laughs> that's true. Right. But like when we're putting in the work, then that means that we're like really committed to making a change around those things. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a big thing that I emphasize with people is um, routine. Routine is huge. You know, and we don't really think about it, but I think a lot of people had a lot of time to think about it, especially during COVID and lockdown when we couldn't go anywhere or do anything. And, you know, making sure you have some sort of routine, even if you're not, you know, leaving, leaving your house, it's still super huge and important. Yeah. 
So speaking of, it made me think of like, okay, well, what kind of things are you doing, Amelia, to take care of yourself amongst all of this work? Because it's pretty heavy stuff that you're doing. I I am a fan of yoga. Um, I I attempt to do it. As one teacher said to me, it's not yoga perfect, it's yoga practice, which you should make a t-shirt of that for sure. Um, I'm a big music person. Um, Lots of music, lots of music all the time, going to concerts. I love to travel. My big thing coming up on vacation soon, so I'm kind of excited about it. But um, making sure I have a routine, you know, and I don't sit in front of my computer all day and not take a break. And Yeah, for sure. So was that, I, was that something that you had to learn for yourself or was that something that was instilled in you early on in, in like within your family system? What I'm getting at, what I'm wondering about is like that's, that's something that some people have to learn as adults versus like other people have to, or they just get it as kids, right? No, I was, I was totally go, go, go all the time. Like yeah. I had to be busy, couldn't stop. Like, and it, it definitely did a toll on me did a toll on me when I worked for community mental health for sure. And then you're working like all these crazy hours. So you feel like you can never be off. And so that was definitely something I had to learn when I, when I left to, uh, to be okay with the downtime and to be okay with having my own routine and, mm-hmm. you know, something that you have to learn and stick with. You don't get sucked back into the go, go, go all the time. Mm-hmm. I have a client right now that I'm serving who was um, not adopted, but she definitely had some attachment disruptions early in her childhood. And um, she's, she's like that, like go, go, go all the time. Now I know we were also talking last week about like some, um, you know, how women have a tendency to, to take these things on as well. Like just wanting to do everything and and be present for everyone all of the time. Mm -hmm. It just makes me wonder like what, um, is it about like women or attachment disruptions or a combination of both? Like, what is it about us and our makeup that we just feel like we have to do everything all the time? <laughs> I, I think it's a combination. I mean, yeah. it's definitely a societal thing where we're kind of, you know, forced upon us, you know, that, you know, we should, you know, be okay for everybody else and not, you know, express certain things or say no, that's for sure. But I also think it's an attachment thing too, because I think a lot of people in the, that were in the system had to always put everybody else before them. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just grow up saying, I have to, you know, make these people happy or else they're going to leave me, right? Or they're going to put me with someone else or, the, mm-hmm. you know, they're, you know, they're going to, you know, never talk to me again. So I think it's also, you know, a protection. Yeah. And that would be a high, like a really high anxiety, right? Because if you don't do it, then the, then the consequences could mean that you're leaving someplace that, you know, you've just gotten settled in there. You've met these, these new potential parents, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I just imagine that would be really stressful. Yeah, and could you imagine that on top of anxiety and depression? Well, I can't because I I haven't lived that that experience. Well, I'm sure your your client might have that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, wow. Okay. Well, Amelia, uh, we're getting close to the end of our time. Uh, how can 
listeners find more of you? How can they learn more about you? And and potentially like, where is your book going to come out when, when we're looking for that? Um, I'm, I'm aiming for Amazon publishing. So we'll, we'll hope for that. So yeah. that, that'll be where it comes out. Um, my website is www.courageforchange.org. And I am on open path, not teaching clients right now, but I do have a profile there. Um, you can find me on the Beyond Words directory, which is where adoptees who are therapists are listed. And I uh, was on Therapeutic Perspectives that's hopefully gonna be coming out in a couple of weeks on that podcast as well, talking about attachment. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on here. Um, I'm really thrilled to have had you today. Um, and for those of you who are listening, if you like this episode, go ahead on to bizradio.us. You can like and subscribe um, on there. And yeah, thanks again, Amelia. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.